0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That, where this politically engaged queer millennial unpacks world events through the lens of anxiety, depression, and everything in between. Today, we are unpacking the vice presidential debate. Um, And I'm super excited to do this. We have no special guests. It is just family today. It is Erica, Kirk, and our producer, Andrew. And we're going to cover a couple things. Obviously, the main topic will be the vice presidential debate, but... Before we get into that, I think it was really important for us to talk about um, the main headline, not just our regular headlines, but the main headline is that the Trumps still have COVID-19. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, who has downplayed the severity of a global pandemic, contracted COVID-19 just less than a week ago from when we're recording this. Um, Since then, a lot has happened There's been a presidential debate. I think there's more than 40 people now infected, including Donald, Melania, Kaylee, Chris Christie, Kellyanne Conway. Um, And there's also a lot of people who work at the White House who are infected. Um, I think the meme going around right now is that there are more cases in the White House than there are in the entire country of New Zealand. And after three days of being in the hospital, Donald Trump returned back to the White House in, I would say, a grand form where he uh, filmed this entire propaganda-based video and posted it on his Twitter page. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you watch it, um, but if you are feeling like you hate yourself today, um, maybe log in and just, you know, watch the the one-minute clip. Um, but Donald Trump returned back to the White House um, to be in the White House medical unit um, and is currently um, continuing to receive treatment for COVID-19. So um, we have a lot to talk about today, um, specifically the fact that the president has downplayed a virus, specifically the fact that the pres President um, has said that there will be no uh, stimulus checks, there will be no government stimulus for businesses, no refill of the Paycheck Protection Program until after the election, if he wins. That's a direct quote. Um, So there's a lot for us to unpack. And we're going to spend the first part talking about the Trumps and talking about the Trumps having COVID. And then we'll jump into the debate. So with that, I'm happy to welcome back um, Kirk, Erica, and Andrew. Hi, guys.
1: Hi. Hi.
0: Hello. How is everyone feeling? Um, Kirk, what was your reaction to the news about
2: uh, the Trumps having COVID? I was deeply affected. Um, just kidding. You know, I think, you know what, th- this would bothered me the whole week about a lot of this um, was, and listen, I know the media and not even the media, I know Joe Biden and Kamala and everyone that you have to say, we, we feel bad for them. We send our thoughts and prayers. We want them to get better, which of course everybody wants to the president of the United States. In reality, not to die. Like that's a national security issue. But what bothered me was then like for the first day or two on a lot of shows, you know, taking it very seriously as they should. But th- but it, it was just like, I don't know. I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more. I think a few days later, people started being like, he never took this seriously. Are we really that shocked? Um, I don't know. It just kind of felt, I think, you know, I get why Biden had to it and people in politics had to, but like I wish people just stayed honest. Like they don't really care that he has it right. I don't know, it felt it felt very fake to me when you was seeing like um Cuomo or people on the View like just like being like, We feel so bad and it's like I don't you don't really, right? Like you, you've been talking about this guy for four years now. Um, not that you're wishing death upon him, but I kind of wanted the reaction to be a little bit more, not harsh, but a little more real, which I think it started to as the week went on. Right. I think people started being like this, you know, we shouldn't treat this like he's any other person because he's allowed 210,000 plus people to die under this exact thing. Um, so that was my initial reaction. And I felt like people were being shamed for reacting in a way of not caring. Like I didn't, I was not shocked and I was like, well, what But I felt like. And then I started seeing people like, well, you shouldn't w- wish that upon him or want him to die. It's like, I don't want him to die. But at the same time, I don't know. It felt like a weird, like shaming of people who didn't seem to take it that seriously.
0: Yeah. Like why, why should we have empathy for someone who really hasn't had empathy for us? Right. Like, I don't know. Erica, what was your reaction to the news
1: um well I honestly smiled <laughs> and I probably shouldn't say that but like I just it's one of those things where he laid in a bed of fleas and I just don't I don't know why I'm supposed to feel like extra sympathy towards him when I just it's one of those things where we had all the measures in place to where especially someone with his access should have been able to avoid it. And he caught it because of his own ignorance and his unwillingness to listen to professionals and the CDC. So I don't know. I like, I hate to say that, like, I was like, "Eh, well, play stupid games, but like, that's kind of what it was. And, you know, he's now affiliated with a super spreader event, which, in itself, just sounds terrible. Like, I just imagine a whole bunch of dirty people in a room um, coughing on each other. But that's really what it was. And, you know, there was a lot of ignorance around it that brought them to this point. So um, I smiled because it was just like, are we going to call this a hoax now? And I'm sure people will still call it a hoax or they'll say that our great president survived COVID because he has superior genes even though his diet is coke and lays potato chips but you know it is what it is
2: he said his dna is more superior than most people's yeah like no you just got the best treatment that someone will get because you are the president i'm not saying the president shouldn't get the best treatment i mean he should because we need him to be alive but no, I thought Bernie had a really good tweet, which was the one about. Um, yeah, I was going to say nah, this particular president, we probably don't need I to be know. alive. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I just mean I, the word. Pre, I mean I, the, the role of president. president. I, I'm not like it's going to be. I think it'd be a little crazy. Like, I don't want the president to have the best, you know, medical, we understand he needs to, but, um, Lane right. Bernie had one of the best tweets, which was about, um, healthcare for all. And then he basically just, you know, that's what he just received. I could find it. Everyone can look it up, but that was really interesting. Something he's been fighting against. He just basically benefited off of. Yeah, exactly. And that's why like, you know,
0: he, he talks about his superior genes and then, you know, we're recording this on Thursday um, and, and on Wednesday, he compared this to the flu and Facebook took it down. Twitter took it down. And, you know, everybody went wild that they were censoring the president. But the president has been one of the people who has spread the most information about this. And now he has spreading the disease, too like combination of misinformation and now the actual virus, this guy's failed us like so much. But Andrew, what was, what was your reaction, you know, to the news? Like, were you more in the camp of, uh, I have to laugh at this? Or were you more in the camp of, you know, uh, this is, this is a national security threat. I I fall
3: more into the former camp where it was just kind of like, yep, that figures, And really the only thing that surprised me about it is that it had not happened yet because there was so many opportunities for him to get it before this holding rallies and not wearing a mask. And, you know, the fact that it took this long is actually kind of amazing. Um, But also, yeah, like you don't, no matter who the president is, you don't want him to get a deadly illness. Because no matter who the president is, if the president becomes incapacitated or dies, it further threatens our already fragile democracy. Right. I already feel like we're on a knife's edge, and maybe that's dramatic, but I don't really feel like it is. And then to have that that president who I feel has done a lot of the work to put us on that knife's edge – then get sick and incapacitated with the thing that he has been downplaying and acting like it's not a big deal. Anybody can say all they want that he has not said it's a hoax. And maybe he has not used those exact words, but he is sure as shit acting like it has been over the last almost year. You know, this has been going on for for close to a year. So, yeah, I think there's a large part of me that was like, yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to be dumb, you're going to win stupid prizes. And there's also a part of me that thinks this, is, it's still bad, you know, whether, whether I agree with him or not, it's, it's still bad that this is happening to us because like it or not, if it's happening to the president,
0: it's happening to the rest of the country as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And that was kind of like my reaction to this too. Like it, it it, it is surprising that it took this long, and you kind of at this point felt like he was immune or he had it and hit it. They and
2: they they're still not
0: releasing when his positive test was. Which you makes know, you like, think,
2: do you think they were? I think when because they said thirty six. Well, they had told us, and then when he was in the hospital, they said he's had it for forty or seventy two hours. Seventy
0: two hours, and, like, and then
2: the, the doctor said that he misspoke because that would have indicated that Trump knowingly spread it to people. Yeah, and do you think? They were probably trying to hide maybe he at that point he didn't have any symptoms. So he was like, Okay, well we can at least hide it. I could have no symptoms for two weeks and we let it go and never had it. But he literally right. went somewhere. Like that's that's the crazier part to me is that he went to New Jersey and had a full rally and like didn't care about other people. Like that's that's the craziest part of the first part of the story for me. Is not that he had it, that he then had it, knowingly had it, and then went somewhere in front of all these people. And I've talked and I've talked and seen some people be like, Well, you know, like just like, spreading, it's not the biggest issue. People say this. Like, spreading it's not the biggest issue. It's you, people who get it and it die. I'm like, well, people can only get it and die if it spreads. I understand, like, not every person that's going to get it is going to die. Like, that's going to be not that I want any of these people to die, but the shitty thing is, like, when they all don't die, everyone's going to be like, well, it's not that big. Like, even the Republicans who have been against COVID will be like, it's okay. It spread. They got it and they're fine. What's the big deal? I feel like that's going to be a huge narrative of it.
3: I I completely agree. And that's what really bothers me about this is, and I think that's what, (laughs) to to get even broader, that's what bothers me about the right in general, is it's like, where is that threshold? When you're talking about literally any issue, climate change or this virus or any other issue, there's always that moving of the goalposts. Where's the threshold? Where is the threshold where the right would have said, you know what, this is a problem? Is it 300,000? Is it a million people? Obviously, we're not at that threshold. And I I think ultimately that threshold doesn't exist. So no matter what would happen, unless he did drop dead, and you could tell there was that one day where – you could tell he thought it was serious because it was serious and he was obviously very, very sick. And he had that video where he was like, I'm going to school now and I understand this is a big deal. And as soon as they gave him enough steroids and he was on the other side of it the next day, he was back on his bullshit and it was just, you know, it's not a big deal. Don't be afraid of it. Live your lives. Let's reopen the economy. And As soon as he was out of the woods, that's what we're back to. So that threshold just never exists. And it's all because nobody gives a shit about human life. No matter how pro-life you claim to be, all that matters is if your 401k goes up. 401k, vote.
0: Right. And (laughs) It's funny
1: that you said pro-life because one of the things that like, bothered me is i know who a lot of pro-life people who have the thing against against stem cells which by the way there's two ways to produce stem cells organically but the stem cells that they used on trump and it might be fake news but the fucking time said it so it's true paul it's is
0: 100 true that paul is, is 100 true it, so it's true the-
1: those stem cells came from fetuses and it's like, are we pro life or are we pro your own agenda? Because if someone were to pull the country and say, all right, we have this black man and we know that if we give him these stem cells, it'll save his life, they'll be like, oh no, the babies. But then if they said, oh, but you know, your great leader, the grand wizard Donald Trump, I'm like, angry <laughs> about this. But if they said no that you need to give it. him this to like save his life, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, Trump is pro-life, so it's worth it. It's like, now you need to be, if you're going to be pro-life, you're pro-life from every corner. And you let that fat bastard in his weak body figure it out itself. I completely agree
0: um, with all of what you guys just said. And I think to the piece that Andrew said about there being no threshold. We saw that in the debate. In the debate, the vice presidential debate, and then in Donald Trump's tweets the next day, they said, well, it could have been 2 million people that died. That is excusing the fact that they let 200,000 people die, 10%. Of that amount die. So they're saying, well, at least it wasn't as bad as what Fauci was saying at the beginning of this. They could not answer the question, not Donald Trump, not Mike Pence, not anybody in their administration, why we are 20% of the world's death and only 4% of the world's population. And that is a question that we should all continue to ask our Trump supporting family and friends, because to me, That was the most despicable part about this entire thing, is that even when they got the thing that they were denying and they went knowingly to an event to confirm an anti-choice Supreme Court justice, and then after that they put Joe Biden's health at risk, and then after that they put Kamala Harris's life at risk, they don't care about other people people and they are not pro-life because there is no threshold for what it means to be pro-life. There's no threshold for what is a excusable amount of death. There's no threshold for an appropriate amount of jobs to be lost. All they can say is that Donald Trump banned travel from China and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer said that they banned travel so You know, and they were yelling about it. Uh, But look what we did. We were getting, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, I'm sorry. What you did in January, what you did in February, when you are caught on tape, downplaying the seriousness of this illness does not excuse your failed response. And you deserve to suffer the consequences and the pain of that in every way possible. This bullshit from Mike Pence last night about... The American people are strong. The American people have resolved. The American people made it through these eight months because of their ingenuity. We did, but that's only because we had to. And we still lost 210,000 people. We still have 30 million people taking unemployment benefits. We still have a president who, like Kirk was just saying, nobody's talking about the fact that he has COVID anymore. Nobody's talking about that anymore. Like, how can we just so quickly move on to the next shiny thing? How much lower can we go? How low is the bar? Like, I feel heartbroken and angry, but I also want to laugh at them because they contracted the thing that, again, to Andrew's point. No, he didn't say coronavirus is a hoax, but he used hoax. He used the Democrats. He used this whole myriad of stuff in his speech to make us believe that it's the hoax. He did it as late as yesterday with 200,000 people dead. And he did it as early as January when, you know, 30 people had died. And that's just nuts to me.
2: And I think, you know, it's because even the way you were, not the way you were speaking about the way you're speaking about how they're speaking about it. Like what he said last night, Pence, like we're not, it's not over. Like they talk about it. Like you got through these eight months, like I'm still getting through it, bitch. Like I'm not going back to work tomorrow. I'm not doing like, we're still not functioning. And I know they want to, they think it's time to, but I do. I'm not, I don't think it's going to get to 2 million deaths, but like it could double. And then who knows what happens from there? And that's why it's like, it's really ballsy of them to be like, it could have been 2 million, but what if a year from now it is 2 million? And then, then what do they say? Cause not over, it wasn't 2 million in the first six months. That's great. But that's that's where it's it's weird to start talking they already talk like it's over um, that's because we did have resolve because we did stay home
1: Right. because we
0: stopped hugging people but if we, we actually that home we did that they didn't do that yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no, no so. it's
2: true i think it, it, if people had actually done what most other countries did i know the majority we did but like we also live in you know primarily a liberal area like i think most parts of the country didn't do that and or didn't do it long enough It'll be interesting to see if Biden does win, how they attack COVID, depending on how it is at that time in January. Um, if they were to do another two-week, I don't know, just something. To, I, don't, I don't know how anyone will possibly do that. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. It feels so
0: hard to shut the country down again. Yeah. Doesn't it?
2: I don't know what you do.
1: I think, honestly, I hate to say it, but like I think that the government stop has to stop giving people a choice because people are always going to choose in their best interest. And right now their best interest is their own joy and their own entertainment. But here's my thing. I love going out. Like I'm a very social person. I would love to get off of work tomorrow, go to happy hour and like blackout at Voyeur. But I also recognize that that is not as important as you know, someone having a family member at their Thanksgiving dinner table. And it's just like, there's no joy on the planet that I would choose more than some, the life of someone else that I love. And like no one, I think people have just escaped from that mindset. There's no one in our government who's supporting that mindset and there's nothing happening to mandate it. And the issue is like, if you were to go to Canada right now as a dual citizen, because they don't want our crusty asses, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And if they catch you outside of where you were quarantining, isn't very high fee? I think it's like in the thousands. And so it's just like, there is a clear written out plan. And we don't have that because our, no, I'm not going to say our president, y'all bitches, presidents, refuses to accept the fact that this is a very real thing that has very real consequences. And honestly, I, I'm not saying that I wish Trump dies because I'm not supposed to say that because my mom told me not to. But I wish that the consequence, like I wish that we could be, we could have a more realistic look of what he went through because I know he suffered. I see that man. There is no way that he is a health to get through this swimmingly. Um, and we all saw that press conference where he was like barely making it through because he couldn't, you know, catch his breath. So I just wish that, you know, Trump would, had at least had the, I don't fucking know, humanity, to be honest. Yeah,
0: and to, to, to feel something. I saw this in a couple places, like on Twitter, you know, and I was feeling this myself. Like, imagine, imagine what Donald Trump could have done When he got his positive diagnosis, he could have said, wow, that was scary. He could have said, I can't believe how much it hurt. I can't believe how sick I felt. We need to take this seriously, everyone. And not to say, I'm sorry, I wasn't taking it seriously because he would never say that. Right. But for him to just say, we really need to get through this. We've got to stay home. You've got to wear masks. You've got to look out for one another. That message from March till now, like Andrew said, it's almost been a year. It's almost been a year. Like, it's more than halfway through that. Like, he could have turned this around and he could have looked so sympathetic. He could have looked so strong. He could have empathized with so many people. And that just doesn't ring true because his behavior before his diagnosis, during his diagnosis, the denial of his diagnosis, and now afterwards... Is just reckless. Now, like the whole country, he is also in a precarious position
3: where he had that choice. He could have said, you know what? I realize that this is super serious. And he didn't even have to admit that he was wrong for the last eight months. He's never... He could have just... Yeah. He could have just said, you know what? It's serious and we have to do something about it. He didn't have to go back through the whole history of the thing. And he would have been okay and he could have plowed forward. Or the other choice is is that as soon as he started feeling good and he got out of the woods, he did exactly what he did. That's the gamble he's taking right now is, all right, I'm going to double down. I'm going to triple down. I'm going to quadruple down at this point. And I don't know if it's going to play out for him or not, but right now it seems like it is. And that makes me incredibly sad for our country that, you know, people talk all the time. People give shit to politicians all the time for flip-flopping and for changing their views, and we talked about this already with Joe Biden. Everybody can experience growth in their life, and that's something that I want to see very much in a politician. I don't want to vote for a politician that has had the same position for 40, almost 50 years, because nobody is going to hold the exact same ideas Throughout their entire life, people are going to change and evolve. And I think that's a fundamental tenet of conservatism is that you're conservative. You do not change. And Trump is doubling down on that when I actually would have gained a little bit of respect for him. And I almost did in that one video where he was like, hey, this is serious. And I thought, is this actually going to be a slight turning point for him? But of course it wasn't.
0: It wasn't, it wasn't. And like, uh, you just, you almost in a way I'm not rooting for him, but you almost just wish you're like, dude, you fucked us so much. Like, can't you just acknowledge this? Like if you can't acknowledge anything, can't you just acknowledge this? Like you're almost wanting him to to
2: be a leader. And it wouldn't be like, I think the answer to your point that you're saying, like it wouldn't be weird He's gone back on so many – I don't even – it's not the same as like a normal politician like evolving and changing, right? Like that's different. Like we talk about it with with, you were saying with Obama coming into the White House and not supporting gay marriage at the point. Um, and people – Republicans, I've heard friends of mine who are Republicans or whatever say things like that. I'm like, OK, but that's not the same thing. He had – for the past four years plus will change his mind every other day on things. And why couldn't he, if you changed your mind on this because you had it – like I don't think we'd be like all for Donald Trump because he did that but like you wouldn't lose your base they would probably be like you're it is serious and that's okay like we're not going to be mad that he lied he didn't lie to us before they, he does it all the time so they're not going to what well, they haven't done it before why would they start doing it now so the, I thought this is one thing he could have not doubled down on and could have actually like like the whole thing with the debate last his debate last time with the white supremacy comment like that's something he has to tiptoe around because if he says the wrong thing, he will piss those people off. But this is like, I think he could win his base by saying, "Actually, you know what? I had it. It is pretty bad." I, and he could even say, "I've always said it was bad." That's what he would say, right? He would mm, lie, it's right? Always, I always knew I it was bad. It bad. He could have done that, and it would have been. We would have rolled our eyes, but like everyone would have forgot about it by tomorrow. Like that. That's what he should have done um, if he cared about people and his people, because his people, to be honest, are probably people that aren't taking it as serious um at this point so if anyone who isn't taking it serious this point's probably that base so that's where it's going to keep spreading and that's where it's going to keep getting worse um but he doesn't care about he doesn't care about them that's the craziest thing like he literally doesn't care about anyone but even the people that they think he's the only president to have ever cared about them and he doesn't care about them yeah
3: that's a really good point um i think ultimately a, you know, 95% of the people who are going to vote for him are locked in at this point. Yes. And they are, they are so much for him and it, it feels very, very culty and they hang off of every word that he says. And they're so invested in him as a person. And it's not about the institution of the president. It's not about the 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 Republican Party and I'm not saying ninety five percent of his voters are like that, but a very significant portion of his voters are like that. Those people would have agreed with him and gone along with it. He had an opportunity to turn it around and keep his voters and honestly he that probably would have brought people off the fence onto his side, and we don't know at this point, but if there is a chance that he is not reelected. I think this is going to be an important factor in that. And I feel like he would have had more votes in November had he made that first choice and said, you
2: know what? I do believe this is serious. For those undecided voters, you think, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, for for those undecided voters, he wouldn't necessarily – I mean there might have been a handful, a tiny insignificant number of people. But who are those people going to vote for?
2: Yeah. The people yeah.
3: that would have disagreed with him, who would they vote for? Right. There's no one else. Either they right. would not have voted or they just would have voted anyway. Right. So I, I don't think he would have lost. I think he only would have gained from that decision. Mm-hmm. And the country as a whole would have gained from that decision.
0: Right. We would have lost less people. We will We will lose less people. We're, and so I don't even know how to put the, yeah. the, 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 the tense of this together. But if we had a president who acknowledged the seriousness of, of a pandemic – we would not lose as many people as we are likely going to. He had a chance to show to us that he was a leader, not just scream about the fact that he is a good one. He had a chance to show it and still failed. So I want to kind of transition us into the debate um, because we've talked about it a little bit. So um, when we come back, Um, we will go into Kamala's strengths, Kamala's weaknesses. We'll give our initial reactions. We'll talk about Pence and his, uh, troubling issues with speaking over women. Um, we will cover it all. So, uh, stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, and today, um, with Kirk, Erica, and Andrew, we are unpacking the vice presidential debate. So, wow. I feel excited that it was a normal debate. I feel inspired that I got to watch something. I feel good that I had something to react to that was substantive and mostly policy-driven. I even felt excited that we had people evade questions, but not in the way of like you know just not answering but just like particularly like putting these things together that were like cleverly evasive so like from a drama perspective i was all in with this debate um you know from like an overall honesty and truth perspective i don't know that i was in 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 with this debate um but i don't know like i very much appreciated the lack of theater that there was in the debate compared to what we saw last week and it felt normal to see a democrat trying to fight for their values and beliefs with a couple corny lines. And then it felt good to have like, a Republican white male with no personality lying to me. Like those are experiences that I'm used to. And in this sort of quarantine phase, I am I was thrilled to have something that I could process as normal and then have a reaction to. I'm not saying that Mike Pence swayed me anyway at all. If anything, he continued to sway me further away from him. Uh, but my initial reaction was like, all right, Like this was a debate and I could see positives on either end of the political spectrum, regardless of what you believe. And I also feel based on the polling that we've seen so far that Kamala Harris won this debate. And so those things feel good to me. So, um, but I want to kind of go around and and try to get some of your initial reactions to it. So um, Andrew, I would love to to start with you. Some of your initial reactions to the debate. Maybe you didn't feel as positive as I did. Um, Maybe you had a a different take. So I would love to hear your initial thoughts.
3: Well, I'm going to be boring and say, um, I pretty much agree with you. It was very nice to have a fairly coherent debate. I mean, towards the end, there was some, talking over each other and both of them went over time on questions um, but that's that's normal in a normal political debate like things get a little bit heated people are passionate about what they're talking about and you want them to be that way you know you want them to care about the issues that you want to vote for them you know to care about and yeah it was it was a normal political debate and and it, I didn't feel exhausted at the end of it in the same way that I felt exhausted at the end of the presidential debate. The presidential debate felt like it lasted for a fucking year and this felt so much better than that. Um I mean I'm sure we'll get into the nuance of everything but overall yeah it, it was a nice return to like normal politics if you can call politics normal. And
0: isn't that sad?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is,
0: this is what we wanted to get back to. Yeah. <laughs> right. We wanted to get back to politicians acting like politicians. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kirk? I, I saw you had a couple reactions to that too. Like what were your, your thoughts on the debate?
2: I agree. I mean, I think I saw somewhere that someone said it was like the presidential debate on decaf, um, which I thought was kind of funny. It's kind of true. Yeah. I mean, it was normal. I think Kamala won objectively and not objectively. I think the polls say that. We always have to listen to the polls. Just kidding. But um, I think she did. But I also think that it didn't really move the needle for anyone probably. But I don't know if vice presidential debates are expected to move the needle for anybody. I also don't remember people really caring about vice presidential debates until this one. Um, maybe like the Palin years because um, she was someone that people found interesting. Like I don't remember watching the last one, to be honest. Um it took me like five minutes to figure out who, um, who Tim Kane was for a minute. I forgot about him. But I really did I liked him. I remember liking him, but he was like, uh, I don't know what that choice was about, but anyway, I think, yeah, it was, it was fine. I, I think um, she did, you know she was she did what she had to do from a theatrics and people wanted her mm-hmm. um you know to come in and like plow him down i don't think she did that because i think she was being smart about it but there were moments where she did it and enough times where it became memes and it became headlines and it became um moments but it wasn't the whole thing of her just um you know trying to put him in his place i think she was respectful and i honestly thought he was kind of respectful of her for the most part Except when he started speaking over her and and that kind of thing, and I don't know if it's respectful is the word, but like Trump would never say like I'm it's an honor being up here with you. Like he said stuff like that that I thought was um, smart for him to say because now the left can't come at him and be like, oh, he was outwardly like misogynistic, whatever. I mean, I think there were things that you could, well, I'm sure, we will unpack where it felt a little uncomfortable, but overall, I thought it was yeah, it was like two bank tellers because of the plexiglass just screaming at each other. <laughs> It
0: was so interesting. Erica, what was your initial reaction? You know, I mean, you're a Black woman. You've had white men talk down to you before. Did you feel like he was respectful of her? Maybe well, that was a loaded question,
2: but.
1: Yeah. Um, Not including us.
2: No, none, of, none of these white <laughs> no, no, men. Other,
1: other than the yeah. three white men I talk to every Wednesday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think she did a good job. So my thing with Kamala is she has the experience of, Being spoken down to, being contradicted, Um, you know, she's been in a court setting, and she's also, she said it a thousand times. She was the first this, she was the first that, and with every first, she was the first woman of color. Um, So I think that Kamala handled it well. Um, I will say, I, as much as I think Pence is the antichrist, he at the very least, for the most part, he did handle most of the debate pretty well in the sense that if he started to talk over her, he'd kind of back off a little bit. And then when he stopped, she was like, no, like I am speaking. What bothers me is everyone is kind of memeing it, which I get. Mama loves a good meme, but men do that all the time. Like it shouldn't be this whole thing of like, oh, well, did you see how like she said, okay, okay. I do say that all the time, but men do too. And it shouldn't have been um, such a big thing, but it also is very indicative of the different landscapes that these two people are traversing. Um, But overall, I thought it was a great debate. It was an actual debate, and it was probably the first debate that I think I truly paid attention to. And that's because in 2016, I was Hillary. Like, there was no question about it. As soon as Hillary became the Democratic nominee, I was 100% Hillary and you could not convince me otherwise. And so I didn't get as involved with the debates because I was like, well, what do I need to hear that I don't already know or she hasn't said in the three Hillary Clinton rallies I'd gone to at that point? But I think with this one, A, you know, my political engagement has to be through whatever is offered through various sources of media. Um, but in B, I was just curious to see what like Mike Pence sounded like. Because he's like <laughs> he's he's under this giant shadow that is Donald Trump. Whereas I don't necessarily see that with the Biden Harris ticket. Um, overall, I think that they both dodge some questions that they I wish they wouldn't have, but on the other side of that. Um, It could be a matter of those conversations not happening, um, which I could see on both sides, or decisions not necessarily being made yet. So I'm sure we'll go into it later, but there was still some more for me that I would have liked to have heard. Do I think that any debate necessarily sways someone? No. I still think that, by and large, this election is... Trump's to lose only because he just has to keep making the mistakes that he keeps making and holding back my stimmy before um you know anyone really starts to push another way but overall I tr- I personally think that Kamala kind of came out on top with that
0: yeah I I agree like I think again the, the, the there was a couple different polls I think it was CNN that showed like how people viewed her as if she was likable beforehand versus likable afterwards, which they they do that for, for every candidate. But obviously, likability and being a woman is one of those things that often pops up in politics. But her likability score, however you would call that, increased by like 8 to 10 points. Like, I think that that's awesome. You know, like I think you've maybe seen her a little bit before. You've just heard people raging about her for forever. She's so popular. She's been a national figure for a while. A lot of people thought that she would be the Democratic nominee for president. Like, when she first announced, people were convinced. And so, then you kind of go through this like journey, right, with her, and you're sort of like... Uh, is she really gonna live up to this hype? Is she really that likable? Is she really like that Mamala character? And I think that she is. Like, I think just a perspective that I wanna share that's not my own, but what somebody else said to me who's a a person of color, uh, somebody that I, I I'm particularly close with. I said, like, what did you think about Kamala? Like, I know you had your reservations about her as a as a black man. And he's like, She acted exactly like my black mom. Like, she just told me I was a dumbass every single day. And that's exactly what Kamala Harris did to Mike Bence. And I was like, you know, I wouldn't know that perspective because I didn't grow up with that perspective. But that like is a perspective that brings me a lot of joy that maybe that's something that she brought to the debate that like other people could see that I couldn't see because it's not my experience. But for her to sort of, you know bring in that piece of like a tough loving mom who's not going to let you off the hook, who's going to call you out on your bullshit, who's going to call you an asshole, who's going to tell you to stop speaking over her. She brought a lot of that, you know, I like think to the debate. And that made me really excited to see like, uh, you know, what, what she could do in four years time. Right. Like if, if, you know, Joe Biden doesn't run for reelection, assuming he wins, of course.
1: And I think with my thing is even regardless of the fact that she is a woman of color, the fact that she is a woman, um, I think she came on the stage as someone who understood the brevity of her words. And she was kind of like, listen, I came here to say this thing. You do not have the right to take it away from me. Um, I think, again, I will say, good on Pence for backing down. I would literally pay my entire salary to see Kamala debate Trump only because like Biden would kind of try to keep going and Kamala would stop and be like, no, this is for me. And even to the moderator, she was like, he took away my 15. You need to give it back to me. Um, So I think she kind of took control of the situation the best that she could. Um, And she made sure that she got what she was entitled to. I don't know. There's kind of this narrative around her like taking, 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 but she was entitled to her two minutes, her 15 seconds, her 30 seconds, her one minute. And if that comes interrupted, then you should be credited that time back. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say I felt like that happened more for Pence than it did Kamala, but Kamala also did not interrupt to the same degree that Pence did. Um, and I'm sure there's something out there that confirms or denies that, but at least um for me as a viewer, that's what I witness,
0: yeah, agreed on a similar lines, I guess then, um Andrew, what frustrated you about? Pence's performance, what were some of the things that like while watching him, if we can kind of agree that we feel and especially based on pulling that Kamala one, like what about Pence made you feel like he lost? Like what sort of frustrated you as a as a Democratic voter or also just as like a, a viewer looking for substantive debate?
3: Yeah, well, I'm just going to talk about taxes right now and not answer that question. <laughs> I I feel that and we can talk about this later. The big dodge for Kamala was obviously the court question. Yeah. But I feel that Pence I don't feel it. I saw it. Pence dodged so many more questions and in a way that you could really tell the lack of substance to the entire Trump administration and to the current Trump campaign. All they really have is money. That's it. It's it's the economy, which boils down to taxes and jobs. That's about it. It's just money. It's greed. It's capitalism. That's the only thing that they have going for them. And, you know, the thing that people don't want to acknowledge is. On either side, really, because whenever things are going well, doesn't matter who's in the White House, we attribute things going well to who's in the White House. But by and large, the economy, the stock market just kind of ticks on. There are these dips. There are reactions to things that a president says or the government does. But if you look at it at a long enough timeline, it really doesn't matter. Things continue to grow. So to say it was All of ex-president's policy is missing that point. And that is what they've really hung their hat on is, well, the stock market has had record gains over the last three and a half years, which is true. But I feel that it's really had gains despite Trump. And we see that time and again where he says something and things drop. And, you know, he said he's not going to, he's halting all stimulus talks, massive drop. And then he had to walk that back and then stuff came back. And that is all they really have. And that is all Pence continued to bring it back to taxes, jobs and fossil fuel profits. That's it.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It frustrated me so much to, to see in that, like, I just kind of felt like, especially once you have to re-explain your answer when they've asked you another question, it just makes you look weak. Yep. It makes you look like you have something to hide. It's exhausting because people just want to move on because there was already a tense exchange. You already had your yep. two minutes, then you already had your fifteen seconds, and now you're just trying to add more. And that—that that to me is exhausting. Like I think that's huge. And again, they came back to an economy that we can easily. I wish we had easily just been able to say last night, why the fuck are we bragging about an economy where 30 million
2: people are collecting unemployment
0: benefits? Why are we bragging about that? But Kirk, what were some of the things that frustrated you about Pence?
2: All of that. And I think including the, he did this morning reading some people's reviews and stuff really seeing that he said a lot of what Trump said in his debate. Like he did the whole, well, you support the green new deal and you do this. And he like, he pointing out these things that they know are not true, but are, it's these like Trumpisms that he used himself. It didn't work as well with him. But what I did appreciate from Kamala, um, she was able to walk all of those back where I think Joe couldn't, not to his fault, but like you can't when Donald Trump is screaming in your face. So I think it was nice to see, her be able to react to him and like, like actually, that's false. And let me explain why it's false. And I think people probably open their eyes a bit to actually see her talk about a policy or something that actually isn't something she's, they support or is something they support. So I think he really messed up there to me by continuing to just throw nonsense. Usually he did it when he was being asked a question that he couldn't even answer. I think his biggest screw up to me was when he brought up Trump's, Grandchildren who were Jewish, and and that was him saying, "How could you say this is not? This is paraphrasing, but that he doesn't condemn neo Nazis when he has Jewish grandchildren." And I I didn't see like it talked about a lot, but I think that was like a weird, oh, like oh shit, moment of like, why? I don't think he probably meant to say that, but it was very much like, I have a black friend, and that means I'm not racist, or you know. Um, So I think he might have rubbed a lot of people, maybe a lot of Jewish people, wrong that way. who, whatever I don't, whatever basis would be offended by that, but I think that was a weird comment. I personally wish they would have asked him an LGBTQ plus question. I think that was kind of a miss because that's like his thing that he's against. So it would be interesting to see him um, react to that. But yeah, I think it was his not answering questions, his false accusations towards her or towards Biden through her. Um, and then that, oh shit moment. And then the fly, which honestly was a strong moment, I think. i I know paul
3: paul did not want to talk about the fly
2: we we had to talk about it (laughs) we'll talk about the fly everyone we don't have to talk about it we just had to say (laughs) it (laughs) yeah of
0: course we do Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah
0: yeah no i think it's 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 part of the unpacking of the debate right is that like Everybody was so ready, willing, and able to, like, see Pence fail. that the second that there was an opportunity to be, like, rather than call him out on the fact that he lied about COVID, call him out on the fact that he was lying about race, call him out on the fact that he was lying about the Trump tax cuts, it was like, there's a fly. He's full of shit. We did it, you know?
2: <laughs> just, my phone. My phone and has never – it was, like, the amount of texts that were coming through at that moment was hilarious. Was, I. It reminded Could not me what that, yeah. the presidential bait was for those, it feels like, six hours. Like, was that, that was like, yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It was like commotion because there hadn't really been much commotion during all of it. Um, yeah. I think it was a bright, it was funny. It wasn't, but I do think it did take away from um, a lot of the comments that he did make yeah. that people aren't talking about. Like, um, not denounce, I mean, not that he was asked to denounce white supremacy, but he did make some weird comments about that um, when it came to police, he said that he, or he wouldn't deny systemic racism. Um, yeah. That that happened and no one's really talking about that. So I do think oh, I there are disadvantages to the fly, but I think it was a nice moment. Agreed. Yeah. Erica, what about you? What was frustrating to you about Pence?
1: Um, I mean, besides having to watch like the village preacher try to condemn another woman as a witch, <laughs> which is literally how I can only see Mike Pence. But what I will give Pence a break on is I truly do not think that he completely subscribes to everything that Donald Trump says. Um, and I think because of that, he could not argue certain things. Like he dodged questions around Trump's repeated accusations that COVID isn't real. Just dodged completely the super spreader event question. Um, and I think that he... What frustrated me is he took such a nationalistic approach to everything where it was like, oh, COVID. Well, us Americans, we've been doing such a great job like you Americans out there. And it's like, no, like you have to be the voice of responsibility in this. Yes, I am. A great person. We are all wonderful people, but we do not hold one of the highest offices of the land. So no one is looking to me to say, how should I react to COVID? No one is looking to Paul with 20,000 plus followers to see how he's reacting to COVID for guidance. We look from a higher source. So I think there's just like a lot of denying responsibility, ignoring the fact that they did deny responsibility and I just wanted him to take a stance just to say like, you know what? Yeah, we don't give a fuck about COVID or yeah, we did make the mistake and we are going to do better and we're going to learn from this. And so I just, I just wish that at some point he had more of a backbone, but I also recognize that Donald Trump holds him by the balls and we've all seen Donald Trump and how he treats people who disagree with him. Mike Pence kind of flailing in the waters and he had Donald Trump roping an anvil around his nutsack like the entire time, which is a very, very vivid explanation of it. But it that's where we are.
2: <laughs> my second visual of
3: his crotch tonight. <laughs> oh, man. I just want to piggyback off that really quick. Like what I've seen in conservative media is people saying that Pence won, but they don't have a reason why he won. And I think after the presidential debate, If you looked at it a certain way, you could legitimately spin it that Trump won. If you believe that bullying and talking over and shouting down is winning, then yeah, you could say Trump unbalanced Biden. He got Biden to crack a little bit. But what I really don't understand is anybody saying that Pence won definitively. If anything, they were both fairly evenly matched. They were both well-prepared. They both knew what they were there to do, which for Pence was carry Trump's water and to deflect those certain questions into the one thing they had, which is the economy and money um but he did that well, but I don't think he won, and it's it's because I'm biased, of course, but I still would have felt like Kamala won um. Yeah she came off as more real um she came off as more sure of herself and her points you know the vp always plays second fiddle to the president the the vp is there to support the president and they both talked a lot about their presidential candidate as they should mm-hmm. um but she still came out as more of an individual where pence did not pence was very much Trump's little bitch boy. Yeah. Of course conservative media has to say he won, but I think it's telling that they really didn't have any legitimate reason why he won. They were just like, "Oh, well, he totally dominated Kamala."
0: Right, because if you if you talk over somebody, if you use too much time, if you continuously ignore the agreed upon rules, You don't answer the question. You make the debate about what you want to talk about. Yeah. People will look at that and think you won. But if you're somebody who just tuned into politics, you're somebody who's not engaged in politics. You're somebody who, you know, was like, "Eh, Mike Pence seems like a politician. Kamala Harris seems like a politician. You might be like, dude, answer the question that was asked, you know, like answer the the question that they stop, stop trying to explain over and over again. Stop trying to jump back. Like, Let's just move the debate forward. They asked you a question. Can you answer it? I think that American people can see through bullshit like that. Um, And I think they saw through a lot of Kamala's bullshit too last night. You know, I don't think that Mike Pence was the only one bullshitting up there on that stage. But I think that it was very easy to see that Mike Pence was talking over the moderator talking over Kamala Harris, I think that uh, especially for women, where 66% are leaning towards Joe Biden right now, many women have been in a situation where they have felt like Mike Pence has been representative of somebody else who's been in their life and talks down to them, talks you know over them, makes them feel insignificant without necessarily being as much of a bully as Donald Trump. I even saw conservatives saying like, wow, Pence is going to be great in 2024, realizing that they were saying that uh Donald Trump is going to lose the election or yeah. that you know that that Pence would run again after Donald Trump wins again of course if you love Trump Pence did everything he was supposed to do but he certainly didn't come across looking like an asshole, especially as a viewer who might be a woman or somebody who is familiar with some of the issues that women face, um, in public settings and private settings, sometimes in their own marriages. Um, you know, that's an experience that, that, that a lot of people have gone through. So no, I'm not going to, you know, be like oh my gosh that the way that mike pence was acting was just it was so sexist the whole time i don't think it was that extreme i think but but what you can see and feel was some of that everyday sexism of just this guy doesn't like to play by the rules this guy wants to be the one who gets the last word in this guy can't even breathe when a woman made a good point so he has to ignore the question that was asked and start asking another one that is the part of sexism that i felt was on display last night it wasn't you know the level of of donald trump's sexism against megan kelly who of course defended mike pence last night you know talking about her her menstrual cycle but it was it was this version that is more familiar and often i think something that is so frustrating but a lot of women i've spoken to are people who like don't know how to articulate that type of sexism because the men's not being overtly awful right it's just sort of like a subtle It's not subtle, but it's like it's 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 more of a familiar sexism, I guess. And again, you know, the people on the on the, you know, conservative media can say whatever they want. But when there's a female candidate on the stage and a female moderator and there's a male in the room who's talking over both of them and ignoring both of them and ignoring what they're saying and trying to drive the conversation himself, that is a a feeling that feels very familiar to a
1: lot of Mm -hmm. women that I talk to. It's a type of sexism you can't take to HR is what it is. Boom. Interesting. That's a good one.
0: Yeah.
1: That's exactly what it is. It's hard to
0: describe, right? Mm
3: -hmm. That's the danger of where we're at. You know, in a way, um, it's easy to dismiss Trump, right? Like, he's cartoonish. He's buffoonish. And a lot of my family, who are people that, you know, they're, they're very religious and... They do not agree with Donald Trump's actions, the way he has conducted himself as a person for his entire life. In 2016, they said, we're voting for Mike Pence and we're voting for the Supreme Court. And they're voting for those values of conservatism that Trump was a means to an end. And I think the same is the case now in 2020. You know, 100 years ago, not even 100 years ago. Black people were still getting lynched in this country. And, you know, 50 years ago, black people were openly being discriminated against. The National Guard had to walk a little black girl into school for the first time. And not that that time was any better because it absolutely was not. But all of that has moved underground to this undercurrent. And it's the same thing with sexism, it's so deniable now that's what's so dangerous about it now where we're in this period where i hope it's a transitionary period to the next stage of human evolution um where we get beyond that but it is a very shaky time where all of those things are just below the surface and so easy to deny
0: totally agree that was really well said so transitioning a little bit um what were some of the things that frustrated you guys about Kamala Harris? um I have a few um, <laughs> we I think but, it does. and I shared this on in my Instagram live, and so if you listen to that, you've heard this, but there's a couple of things I feel about her response to foreign policy, where she talked about the thing about foreign policy is there's people who are your friends and the people who are your adversaries, mm-hmm. and Donald Trump doesn't have any friends. Donald Trump doesn't have only has adversaries. And Donald Trump's only friend, if he has any at all, are the people who use him. And that's Vladimir Putin. That's of course not a direct quote. <laughs> um but to me, Joe Biden and Barack Obama spent the last year of their 8 years in Washington devoted to foreign policy, to building relationships with people. There's an entire podcast about what that foreign policy team did. There's a documentary on HBO about what those people did. Um, And so foreign policy was very important to Barack Obama and Joe Biden. So for Kamala to have an answer that to me felt rather simple about friends and enemies, good people and bad people, get along with everybody. That's all I could hear. I don't know what she said after that. That's all I could hear is that I just thought, damn, Like one thing that Barack Obama and Joe Biden really prided themselves on was the way that they networked and built relationships with people that were just not just for for things like civil rights and human rights, but, you know, climate justice, all of these things that are really important. Um, And the fact that she couldn't articulate that foreign policy plan frustrated me. Now, I know foreign policy hasn't been a massive focus of this debate, but to me, when I just heard you got your friends and you got your enemies. All I just looked at that screen was, and I was like, I could see Russia from my backyard. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the worst. You know, I was like this, it felt so not specific that I was like, I need more from you. I need, and that's what I needed more from Kamala as in the democratic debates. I was like, I need you to talk to me and tell me your policy, articulate a vision. And she did a, very good on some parts of the debate about that. But that was one thing that really frustrated me because, We know that Donald Trump has soured so many of our international relationships. He's pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement. You know, he's been much more sympathetic to North Korea and Russia than he has with some of the people who are our biggest allies. So to me, I was like, God, you have a fucking, you know, golden ticket, Kamala. Foreign policy, Donald Trump calls the coronavirus the China virus and the Kung flu. Let's talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just, I felt like that answer was kind of botched and that's been sitting with me and maybe it won't impact anything because- it's, it's foreign policy and Americans don't care about anything beyond their borders, <laughs> but I just, I uh,
2: the conservatives do, like, that's one of their right. They're so afraid of, it's It's not, they don't care about the other countries and really the relationship, but they don't want, they're so scared of beyond the borders. And it's like, we want someone that's going to crack down and, and keep us safe. But also that means, I guess, have good relate. I mean, in order to keep you safe, that you would have to have good relationships with them. Right. I don't think that, I don't know if they think that far ahead, but I think saying being friends, they think, why would we want to be friends with all these horrible countries? They don't get it that way. Um, so I think she might have – not that those conservatives are going to vote Democrat anyway, but I still think there might be people in the middle who that's a huge thing for them. Um, yeah, I do think it wasn't, it wasn't focused it, yeah. on enough in the debate for it to be like a – to bring it down, to bring her down. But I think there are people that are really are – they're concerned about – you know our safety, which everyone should be, but that has to do with foreign policy. And I think that, that might have been a week. She could have gone into it and explained what um, Obama and Biden administration did. It might have opened people's eyes to like, oh, they actually do care about our safety and people um, and other countries. And if they're coming to attack us or not, or if we have bad relationships or not. Um, but they look at Trump's way of handling as like Obama was a pussy. I hear that all the time. Obama was a pussy and wanted to be friends with everyone where like, we're going to, Trump cracks down on everybody. But in reality, he's just being best friends with the wrong people. <laughs> but. Right,
0: right. And the whole thing happened with Israel, which was like a great win for them. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but it's like one of the biggest foreign policy wins, like with moving oh. the, um,
2: embassy. the embassy.
1: Israel, yeah. Oh, yeah, to Jerusalem, which I think that is not necessarily something to celebrate, only because the Obama administration held back on that for a very good reason. And that's because it's holy land that was battled over for centuries. I think the issue that has both helped and hurt the Trump administration is they're very quick to move. Um, I know they brought him up. They were at the RNC, then they brought him up in the debate, um, the family whose daughter was unfortunately murdered by ISIS. And, you know, I, I think about it and my mom has some relation to the government. Um, But those aren't things that can happen with ease. You have to understand um, your relationship with that country, with um, the military of that country, with the people of that country, even other groups that have political power within the country. And I think that in some instances that has helped the Trump administration because people say, well, look at them, they're getting them done. But on the other side of that, when we put that embassy in Jerusalem, there was a day of rage following, and lives were lost, and a lot of violence ensued. So I think that you have to look at the fact that Donald Trump is more about pleasing us as opposed to what that can mean for the people who are there, because I'm sure there are people in Jerusalem like whose lives are at stake, whose property were at stake. But Trump got to go in, sign a couple pieces of paper, wave at people, smile, and then he was done with it. And I think that I don't want to be a member of a country that's known for doing things and then leaving disaster in its wake. And I think that's what we get with a Trump administration. Whereas with the Obama administration, Obama was one of the spearheads for the Paris Climate Accords, and 200 countries are in that. And how bad does it look on us when we pull out of something that we were a spearhead on? I do wish that Kamala had pushed forward when it came to foreign policy, because I think that the people who are moderate, for the most part, would congratulate the Obama administration for what they did with that. And I think that the fact that, like you said, Paul, she gave kind of a whatever answer did not help her. I think it helped the Trump administration, um, I think sometimes attacking Donald Trump helps Donald Trump because his followers aren't smart enough to understand the implications of the attack and what it means. Agreed. Yeah.
2: So I know that you know Trump came out and said that he won't be doing the debates. He said this this morning after it was announced that um, they will be virtual for the you know well-being of everyone there, including Joe Biden. I saw one headline that was actually like pretty harsh, but made sense. And it was, I think it was New York Magazine actually. And it was, um, Trump pulls out of second debate, only will do it if he can infect Biden. Because if you think about it, like that's kind of why else you need to be in person. It can be done virtually. Um, I think it's very weird for a president to say, I'm not doing a debate. I think it's bizarre. I think it's another unprecedented moment that we see with the Trump administration and with Trump as president. Um, And I really appreciated Pete Buttigieg going on, Fox News today and talking about that. And I think we should have Pete go on Fox News every day because yes. he was like really handling the um, like every um, panel that he spoke to. And anyway, the point was he spoke about how it's messed up that he that Trump is not doing this. And, you know, teachers have to teach virtually now. Kids have to learn virtually. Everyone takes meetings via Zoom. No one's getting into offices. Everything's virtually. So you can do one part of your job virtually. Um, and he won't. I thought that was a really interesting way of putting it. He did some other funny, um, hilarious things everyone should go watch that he kind of left them speechless. Um, but, yeah, so I think when it comes to the debate, I think it, and then it'll be interesting because Biden said he's not going to do it now either, I think, because of that. So if it's not happening. I think this is as of Thursday today. Who knows what happens with it will end up happening or not. But um, I just think it's, an, again, another unprecedented um, Trump moment.
3: I just want to point out that JFK and Richard Nixon did a virtual debate in 1960. That's say. <laughs> if if they see we're on the same page, Erica, that's why we're always talking over each other. You know, if if they could at that time pull that off, there's no reason why Trump and Biden can't pull that off in 2020 because I spend my entire day in way too many goddamn virtual meetings. Yeah. Amen.
1: And I think, I personally think that there is no, Trump knew that Biden wouldn't want to be in a room with him because he has cooties. And I personally don't think that Trump could physically get through a debate. Like he is coming fresh out of the hospital I think even someone who is young and healthy's lungs could not recover that quickly. Um, And again, we all saw him like barely making it through a press conference. So I, I personally think that he was looking for an excuse not to do this debate, because if there's one thing Donald Trump refuses to do, it's show weakness. But if he can call
2: in to cable TV every morning, still he did it this morning, and talk for probably, I don't know how long he talks, about, but it's a long time, um, he can do a virtual debate. So I think it's kind of hilarious that he'll like call in and be virtual or be on the phone to talk to fucking Fox and Friends or whatever, and literally ran about Hillary Clinton today, like it's 2016. You're right. Maybe, Erica, maybe it is a physical thing. Maybe he can't get through it. I also don't think he would do really well via the virtual debate back and forth. I don't know if that would be his strong suit, to be honest. Because they can fucking mute him. <laughs> and he loves the, he, and
0: he loves the crowd yeah shout. he loves the crowd
1: yeah
0: yeah so erica i guess uh, thoughts on kind of the debates moving forward like what's you, what's been your reaction to this this stuff
1: i don't know what they will look like i think that is all between um trump and uh joe biden so i'm um, i think if they do happen it's going to be interesting in that there will be I think they'll happen online or virtual if Trump allows it, in which case I'm just curious to see how they moderate back and forth. Will they let Trump talk over him? Will they mute mics? Will there be delays? What have you? So I think that'll be interesting. But overall, um, I don't expect anything better out of Donald Trump if they do have a debate in any form that it comes in. I think he's still going to take the approach of distract, 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 interrupt and keep the message off of what Joe Biden's actually saying and more of the fact that Donald Trump is just spewing out noises. So I I don't have much hope uh, for the presidential debate. I would love to see another vice presidential debate. And I think Kirk mentioned it earlier. I would love to see them address the LGBTQ questions. Um, especially because I know how Pence feels. I want to see him voice that in a political manner or a democratic manner, you know? Um, So that's going to be something that I would look forward to. I could see Pence being completely fine with doing virtual and Trump saying, no, I don't want that. Um, But if I were to put money on it, I would put money on there not being any more debates.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Like it, it it's a shame that we only ever get one vice presidential debate every single year. And I get it it's because it doesn't necessarily sway the public, but I do think it's important just to cover a variety of topics and policy decisions. You know, four debates one a week until the election somewhat makes sense, but not when you think about the fact that people are early voting and not when you think about the fact that we are in a global pandemic, if anything, just cancel them because they're unsafe to run in person Mm -hmm. or do more of them that are more targeted and more focused. And I feel personally um, that to me, if, if Donald Trump doesn't want to do this town hall, if he's scared of, you know, not looking good from a virtual setting because he can't kind of move back and forth, he can't look at the opponent, he can't really get a sense of what it's going to be like because he likes to kind of just ramble and talk on the phone, like then Joe Biden and Kamala Harris should do their own town hall with voters where the voters ask them tough questions. I still want to hear about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden talking about LGBT Rights. I still want to hear them talk about immigration, especially with the president who won largely the primary because he had this rallying cry of build a wall. I want To hear about some of these issues in a more substantive way that are not just, well, the Democrats love the gays and the Republicans don't. Because that's not what we need right now because it is so dire. It is so different. This is not, you know, as simple as do you support gay marriage or not? It's do you support passing anti discrimination legislation? You know, do you support, you know, overturning? The Equal Marriage Act, like all of these things to me are hugely important that whether Donald Trump is present or not. To me, it looks really presidential if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can put themselves in front of a group of people that are undecided voters. I know there's a whole lot of bullshit about that right now. If they can put themselves in... Um, in front of a group of people, in front of undecided voters, in front of people who are going to challenge them, and they're going to have to answer tough questions. It makes them look presidential. I think it's something that people will watch. I think that if they frame it as the debate replacement, I think that there are things that, that we can do like that would entice people to want to learn more about Joe Biden. And I think that learning more about Joe Biden will seal this election for Joe Biden, for Kamala Harris, and for the Democrats. So I think We keep doing it. We keep moving forward with it. Whether Donald Trump wants to throw a hissy fit or not, I think we we still need to get Joe Biden in front of the American people because all we've heard about for four years is Donald Trump, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm just tired of it. I want people to hear about Joe and hear from Joe. So that's kind of my take on where the debates could go. But Andrew, I don't know if you have any thoughts or reaction to that.
3: I pretty much agree. It seems at this point today that Another presidential debate in the format that we are expecting to see is um probably not gonna happen. And you know, once once Trump plans a rally, it's gonna be very difficult for him to pull out of that. Um and once Biden plans whatever else that he plans to do that day, it's again gonna be very difficult to pull out of that. And I know Trump has floated the idea of doing other debate dates later in the month but that's so close to the election and and that would be outside the bounds of what's normal. I, I, I just don't think that it's going to happen.
0: I mean, five, um, five million but honestly, people have already voted. It's like, why do we do these so yeah, late anyway? And,
3: and, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, especially after the first one, what is going to be different about the second one? Part of me almost agrees with Donald Trump, but in a different way. He doesn't want to do a virtual debate, I feel, because this is a cop-out for him. He can get out of doing a debate if there's issues with him still talking and breathing. I feel he's he may be kind of right to pull out because it's not going to go well for him, I don't think. And I don't think it's going to go well for the American people because it's just going to be people being muted on a Zoom call. It's going to be frustrating to watch. They're not able to conduct themselves like the rest of America has conducted themselves on virtual meetings since March. And, you know, since longer than that, for all the people that have worked remote long before this pandemic, you know, they're just, Trump has proven that he can't be on a debate stage at all over the last four years. He's not going to be able to do it virtually. And I think that's what it is. That's why he's pulling out. And honestly, whether or not we want to see him do it or not, that's the right decision for him. And I don't know what it's going to give the American people if they went through with it with a virtual debate now that I think about yeah, it.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And and you know what? You're right. It is the smart thing to do for Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump always thinks that the – the. I mean, oh God, I sound like such a pundit. But Donald Trump always thinks that the answer to to – His problems are more Donald Trump. He always thinks that, you know, when he's struggling, he should get in front of more people. He always thinks, you know, that um, if he fucked up, that the uh, immediate response is not to have a good PR person, not to have a good vice president, but to be like, no, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You know, he tanked the stock market on Wednesday and then was like, oh, let me make sure I don't fucking do that. So let me make sure I tweet like he always thinks the answer is him putting himself in front of other people. And honestly, people's minds are likely made up about him, whether they like him or not. Not necessarily if they want to vote for him or not, but if they like him or not, Um, you know, I think largely a lot of people don't. I think even the undecided voters who may vote for him don't necessarily like him. Um, I think it's one of those things, they still feel like they're picking the worst of two evils because evil is Joe Biden, who's somebody who's been in power for so long and does, and they don't feel like he's done enough. And then evil is somebody like Donald Trump, who's just kind of a dick, you know? Um, so I, I agree. Like, I think that um, it is the right thing for Donald Trump. And I think the right thing for uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are to keep getting and staying in front of the American people, but it's on the media and it's on all of us to say, no, this is the debate replacement. No, this is the like, this is the town hall. This is the town hall debate. And you know what? The Republican Party forfeited, but we're going to play anyway. I think that that if the media can market it in that way, if they can make it like a thing about Donald Trump, not only will that embarrass him and cause him to embarrassingly tweet all night, it will also like just make more people watch and tune in because we've seen a lot of town halls. There's been a lot of those. But I think, you know, to to make it not feel like a normal town hall, to show Biden and Kamala's like, chemistry together you know for them to take hard questions for maybe joe biden says something not clear and kamala steps in or kamala says something like yeah well this is my plan and then joe says and that's great that that's her plan but this is kind of what i believe that's why we're moving like we can see a little bit of the dynamic let's turn this shit into a spectacle you know for those undecided mm-hmm. voters but you know a lot of people only tune in because of trump but but maybe there's something else that we could do to kind of make people excited and engaged
3: And I totally agree with you. I I, I would like to see them unfettered by being bullied by Trump or being talked over by Pence. Again, for the vast, vast majority of voters, they're locked in already. Either they've already voted or, you know, for real, or they voted in their mind. But, you know, we're going to be faced with a presidency of either one of them. So I, I would like to see some of those tough questions answered by Kamala and Biden, you know. Queer issues were not mentioned at all in the VP debate. That question was not answered. That actually, that flabbergasted me. I totally Mm -hmm. agree with you. I couldn't believe they didn't ask about that at all. You know, I think I know what they're going to say, but I would like to hear them say it. And the same thing with neither one of them could answer the question about the court packing well. And that's concerning to me, not because I'm too concerned about whether or not they're going to pack the court or add another justice or not add another justice. You know, I'm not clutching my pearls in the way that conservative people are clutching their pearls about that. To me, it shows that there is not a plan right now, that they don't have an answer to that. They're not even trying to shut it down or Uh deflect it. They're very obviously, they don't, they don't know how to answer that question. And that's concerning to me that at this late in the game, you know, these are people who are supposed to have answers and they obviously do not have an answer to that question right now. So I would like, you know, I would hope that over the next week that they realize that and they they come up with an answer.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Well, let's transition into our last segment because I think that that was a good piece of like things that we're hoping to see, things that we want to see, like things that we want people to answer for. But like also, what are we going to answer for? What are we going to do? What are we going to leave out in the field, you know, from now until the end? So like, Kirk, let's start with you. What's your action item for the week?
2: So my action plan this week would be get one person that you know, because there's probably one that isn't going to vote. And you probably know who that person is. Um get them to vote. And I think that's something we, you know, it's easier said than done. Um, But find that person that you're friends with and get them registered. If it's still time, if you're still able to wherever you are um, and get them to vote. If they're your friend and you're passionate about it, you can get through to them. And I think that that's an important thing we all need to do, especially in states like, I mean, ours, where we're at Pennsylvania, it's super important. Um, So just get your friends to vote or make sure your grandparents aren't voting for Trump because that's another one. Erica, what's your action item for the week?
1: Um, mine is to just have a difficult conversation. Um, I think that truly people decide on who they're going to vote for through conversations, uh, with people that they know and they trust to say things that are within, if not their particular best interest, the best interest of the group that you probably all represent together. Um, even as the token Black friend and most of my group of friends, um, there is something that, you know, serves all of our best interests. And if you, you know, if for some, some way, somehow, Donald Trump supports that, then have that conversation because I don't want to tell people how to not speak to, how to not have private conversations. Um, but really when it does relate to something that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are, um, you know, trying to push towards. And I think that's something to have a conversation around as well, whether that be, I know a lot of Republicans tend to be single issue voters. So I know abortion's a big one. I think I've said this every podcast, but abortion rates go down with uh, Democratic uh, administration. So those are conversations that you can have and they can really push People towards seeing things in a different way. I do not think that debates and politicians being politicians necessarily sway individuals. Um, I think the people who are really kind of stuck now are the ones who just don't trust politics at all. Um, And so, if I would, you know, make this into one neat package, personalized politics for people.
0: Agreed, Erica. Andrew, what's your what's your action item for the week? I think at this point,
3: so many people are decided, and I know the vast, vast majority of my family members are decided one way or the other. So for me, I think just continuing to post how I feel on social media. I know it's not a sexy answer, and I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear, but I'm going to represent the people that lead from behind. Who I am as a person is is being more introverted, and it is very difficult for me to get on a phone call and call somebody, but you you can still fax your congress members and you can still send emails to your congress members and leave them voicemails and you can still donate you know it's not too late and unfortunately money runs politics that's just the way it is but you can still donate and you can still post on social media what you believe whatever it is you believe and you know i got some confirmation this week i posted something about voting and and i got several responses back to an Instagram story saying, I didn't know that about you." Know what happens if you don't receive your mail-in ballot in time. I didn't know what to do. So thank you for posting that. And just those little things do matter. Even if people don't engage with you, if they're still watching your stories, because I know there are multiple people that I know that follow me on Instagram that are conservative people and they're watching the stories you just have to keep that information visible. What you feel is right. You just have to keep it visible.
0: That is a great tip. I think that sometimes I've even felt this myself when I've challenged Republicans to surprise or, or to engage. Sorry, I we guys we just got a New York Times alert. Hang on.
1: What did it say?
0: Uh-oh. Is he dead? Oh, Trump! Trump with surprise green light from doctor wants to resume debate next week. President Trump, down in the polls and confined to the White House, lashed out at his aides in an erratic interview and called for his political enemies to be indicted. Joe Biden, campaigning in Arizona, continued to evade the question of whether he would pack the Supreme Court. Trump's doctor says he's completed his COVID-19 treatments and can return to public engagements on Saturday, which is one week after he was tested positive No, if we were to believe the stories. This is bullshit and I'm so mad we just recorded a whole podcast segment about this. This is the bullshit from the Trump administration is that, like Erica said at the beginning, Kirk said it, Andrew has mentioned it, they flip-flop, they have no integrity, we cannot trust the information that comes out, and it is enormously frustrating. So I'm going to Move beyond this. And I'm going to say that my action item is to focus less on Donald Trump, though keep him in the back of your mind. Focus on Joe Biden's economic plan because he's not been able to articulate it. Kamala's not been able to articulate it. There's been good discussion and articles about it, but it has not gained traction. So I'm going to give you some quick highlights. And then I want you as your action item to go to joebiden.com and I want you to read his plan for the economy. So, the four things that I'm going to read to you are, with a $700 billion investment, he wants to mobilize American manufacturing and innovation to ensure goods are produced in America, with particular policies that create 5 million new manufacturing jobs. Number two, Biden will make far-reaching investments in infrastructure, the automobile industry, transit, the power sector, buildings, housing, and agriculture. And this will be funded by a $2 trillion investment over his entire first term. To put that in perspective, that is what the first COVID relief package cost. Number three, investing in caregiving and educational workforces to ease the responsibility of parents, especially for women. So, his plan includes support for universal preschool and home care services for people on Medicaid. So, helping those people in the middle who have people to take care of that are younger and people to take care of that are older. And number four, with different investment opportunities, tax credits, and affordable housing, Biden wants to create and execute a nationwide plan to address economic inequality, especially in underserved and undersupported communities. In addition, He wants to raise the home ownership rates by giving everybody who doesn't own a home yet $15,000 in a tax credit. These are fantastic economic plans that I think we need to be talking about more. So that's just my teaser, but I'm going to encourage you to read the full plan at JoeBiden.com. And then after that, look through the analysis of it, too, because it's important to get a full perspective. All right, Erica, where can people
1: find you? You can find me at Erica, E-R-I-C-A underscore Megan, M-E-G-A-N. Andrew, what about you? You can find me also on
2: Instagram at A-N-D-R-W-J-N. And I'm Kirk. You can find me at at Kirk.Charles on Instagram. And I can't believe we're less than a month away from the end of the world. (laughs)
0: I, was like, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know why. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I just I
2: nodded, and then I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, wait. That's what we go out on. That's the
1: last note. Of- <laughs> really, the record scratched for me. I was like, wait.
2: <laughs>
1: um, And
0: if you want to follow me, if you listen to this podcast and don't follow me, I don't understand because... <laughs> It just doesn't make mathematical sense. Um, But I am, it's Paul Warren on Instagram. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Andrew, Erica, and Kirk, it is always great to have the three of you. Um, Please, everyone, recognize we have less than three weeks left to turn this election more strongly into our favor. So thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. Leave it all on the field and we will talk to you all soon. Thank you.